going on, true crime fans? I'm your host, Heath. And I'm your host, Daphne. And you're listening to Going West. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Hope you're having a good week. Happy Friday. And thank you to Danielle for recommending today's case. Takes place around this time of year. So, you know, Heath and I like to do that kind of match up the cases with the the month, at least, or the yeah. season, at least. Yeah, definitely the season, if we can. Yeah, thank you guys so much for being here. Also, I just want to remind you guys that we do have bonus episodes available to you guys. Um, if you head on over to patreon.com slash goingwestpodcast, we have a ton of ad-free full-length episodes that we wouldn't cover on Going West. Some of them are international. Some of them are from the U.S. So please go over there and check those out. Yeah, remember, we just covered or we recovered the Lady of the Dunes case because now there are answers to that case finally. Crazy case from Massachusetts from the 70s. So go listen to that one and like 75 others, please. All right, guys, this is episode 254 of Going West. So let's get into it. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. See the full schedule and find where to watch at IonNWSL.com. In November of 2013, a woman in Pennsylvania went missing from her home just a week before Thanksgiving. Years later, her remains would be found on the property of someone she knew, someone who idolized Dexter and aspired to be a serial killer. This is the story of Holly Grimm. Holly Ann Grimm was born on February 19, 1972 to Jeanette and Richard Grimm in Pennsylvania. And Holly was one of seven children and the only girl, actually, along with brothers Michael, Richard, Craig, Matthew, Carl, and Jeffrey. That's a lot of boys. A lot of boys. So Holly grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which is the third largest city in the state. And it's about an hour and a half drive from Philadelphia. Sadly, like many people, of course, the family had their share of tragedy because in 1989, so when Holly was about 16 years old, she lost her brother, Michael. And then in 2001, she lost her father, Richard. It was a devastating blow to the tight-knit family, but according to friends and family, Holly maintained a very positive attitude and a sweet disposition. 
All the comments on her memorial Facebook page mention either like what a joy she was to be around, how much she loved to dance, or both. Like people just loved Holly. Holly loved to bowl, and she even competed in a local bowling league. She also had a passion for NASCAR, or NASCAR, 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 (laughs) NASCAR, and was a diehard fan of driver Dale Earnhardt. Number three. Oh, you know him? I do. (laughs) And Holly frequented the Mahoning Valley Speedway in Lehighton, Pennsylvania, about 30 miles or 48 kilometers away from her hometown. Many friends fondly remember her passion for races, sharing pictures of Holly posing happily next to race cars and sitting in the stands with noise-canceling headphones on. In 1998, Holly gave birth to a son who she named Zachary Michael Grimm, and those who knew them said that he was just the absolute light of Holly's life. Zach reciprocated, telling one publication, quote, She was the kindest, nicest. She would always make you laugh. I think people who know her are going to remember her forever. Holly and her son lived in the Lower Mukunji Township, about a 20-minute drive southwest of Allentown. Lower Mukunji is situated in an area known as the Lehigh Valley in Lehigh County, which is supposed to be a safe and family-oriented area. Holly worked for Allen Organ Company, a company that manufactures organs for churches, recording studios, and theaters based in Mukunji. Holly was employed in the wood shop and worked there happily for many, many years. She began dating a local man named Dwayne, who was also a single father to a son. They initially bonded over their shared love for racing, and the four became very close, and Dwayne's son, Justin, loved her as well. The week before Thanksgiving 2013 was a normal one for 41-year-old Holly and her 16-year-old son, Zach. The temperatures were getting chillier near the end of a picturesque Pennsylvania autumn, and the last of the leaves were falling from the trees. The two shared a trailer in the Red Maples Mobile Home Park in Westcoastville, a census-designated place within the Lower Mukunji Township. Around 6.30 a.m., on the crisp morning of November 22, 2013, just six days before Thanksgiving, Holly dropped Zach off at the bus stop as usual, and then she returned home. Now, Holly, who was a petite woman of 5'3", weighing around 100 pounds, had been wearing a pink winter coat, jeans, and black running shoes. Minutes later, a neighbor saw Holly return to her home and go inside, but that would be the last time that she was ever seen in public. Now, this neighbor later recalled that as Holly was exiting her vehicle, she appeared startled, like as if she had heard something. But whatever it was must not have distracted Holly enough to deter her from going inside to finish getting ready for her 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. shift at work. So Holly went inside, and then a short time later, this neighbor claims that they heard a loud thump coming from the direction of her home. 
And this is an interesting sound to hear from next door, you know, because a thump. It's not like a scream, but it was a strange enough noise in some way for the neighbor to, like, notice it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they they made a mental note of that. Exactly. So just after 7 a.m., remember Holly starts work at 7.30, Holly's mom, Jeanette, arrived at Holly's home, located on Grange Road. Holly and Jeanette were extremely close, and they spoke multiple times a day. They even lived in the same mobile home park and before Jeanette had retired, worked for the same company. So lots of things in common here. Um, You know, lots of seeing each other in general, which was awesome for them. So Jeanette claims that they drove to work together every day until the end of her career at Allen, Oregon. She called Holly that morning as usual and didn't receive a response, which was really odd for Holly. So her mom headed over to the home of her daughter and grandson to just check things out, make sure everything was okay. And even though it had seemingly been just minutes since Holly had stepped out, Jeanette knew immediately that something was just off. Holly's car was in the driveway, but she was nowhere to be found. Her front door was unlocked, and inside the home, Jeanette found Holly's keys, glasses, asthma medication, and cigarettes all left behind, things that she normally did not leave home without. Her mom also noticed a spilled coffee mug and an ashtray that had been knocked behind the couch, spilling ash all over the floor. Alarmed, Jeanette attempted to reach Holly's boyfriend, Dwayne, and also called Holly's employer. But weirdly, there had been no sign of her, like neither of them knew where she was. So suspecting foul play, Jeanette contacted police immediately and filed a missing persons report. And that same day, police classified Holly as an endangered missing person, which is huge for a 41-year-old woman that the same day they're going to call this an endangered missing persons case. Yeah, that almost never happens. Yeah, like that goes to show you how weird this situation was. And one friend of Holly's told a reporter, quote, It's as if she just completely vanished. And we know, everyone who knows Holly knows that this doesn't make sense. What police found at the home was even more disturbing. Blood on the exterior of her trailer. And what makes this especially strange is that after being tested by the forensics lab, they discovered that it wasn't even Holly's blood. How weird. So weird. She's missing and then there's blood all over the outside of the trailer, but it's not hers. So suspicious. Very interesting. So this confirmed that a struggle had indeed taken place. They also located a black button on the floor of her living room that they said did not match any item of clothing that Holly owned. Police pinged her cell phone, and while they were unable to determine its location, based on the calls that her mother had made to her earlier that morning, they determined that Holly's phone, and therefore likely Holly, had been moving quickly. Her location at the time of the calls changed from near her home in Lower Mukunjee to nearby highways, Interstate 78, and then Route 145. It looked as if she had been traveling north and then east away from her home. But also remember that if she's moving at this fast of a rate, you know, obviously so quickly, and her car is at her house, like this... She's probably in somebody else's car. Exactly. So... 
Police questioned those close to her, including her co-workers, and started with anyone who would have been uh, late or absent on the morning of November 22nd. This included 46-year-old Michael Horvath, with whom police spoke to on December 12th. Now, Michael claimed that he had gotten a flat tire that morning that had delayed his arrival to Allen Organ Company. How convenient. Isn't it? Yeah, and this is the same place where he worked alongside Holly and Jeanette for years, and where he had been on his way to work the same 7.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. shift that Holly was supposed to have been working that day. He claimed that he had been on his way to work and had blown out his tire about two miles, or a little over three kilometers, away from Holly's home, which he said was purely coincidental. Now, after stopping to put some air in it, he returned home, about a 40-minute drive away, and repaired the tire with a patch. Just feels like too many coincidences that you are late to work and your your car happens to get its tire blown out near where Holly lived. Yeah, and you're in the same location when your tire supposedly uh, and he pops. lives and he lives sorry and he lives 40 minutes away. No, 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 looking weird. Yeah, it's not like it's not like if your tire blew out and you're already like close to your work. Why would you go all the way back home? Isn't there like some sort of mechanic shop you could go to to get it fixed or whatever? Who knows? It's just odd. And obviously this stuck out to police and police noted that they found his account of events suspicious, but they didn't press him for further information and they just continued to question her friends, acquaintances, and coworkers. So obviously, again, it makes sense that police are like, we're not going to push you further because they have no trace of Holly. There's no body. Right. There's, there's no, no physical evidence of any kind that Michael would have been involved at this point. Right. There's just the blood that was found outside her trailer that wasn't even hers. But obviously they are taking note he looks sus. Okay, carrying forward, we'll put a pin in him. So in the weeks following Holly's disappearance, as her family had to head into the holiday season without her, police continued to question dozens of people in the community. One newspaper called it, quote, one of the region's most closely watched missing persons cases. There seemed to be no motive, no suspects, and aside from the mystery bloodstain, no evidence. Missing persons posters circulated and Holly's mom, Jeanette, was especially active in the cause, just getting the word out about her daughter in any way that she could. The community rallied around the family and they even started a Facebook page to help like just share different updates and different information about Holly and her case. And they also hosted prayer vigils and fundraisers. Friends and supporters designed t-shirts and released balloons for her with everything in Holly's favorite color, purple. And local small businesses even sold products in her honor and donated the profits to the reward reward fund. I, that's so hard to say sometimes. Reward fund. Reward fund. Which is, I mean, this community seems so, so awesome and they want to do everything they can to help her. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how above and beyond they went for Holly because oftentimes you don't really see that much support. You do see support, but oftentimes not that much. Well, even the nonprofit volunteer organization called Wolfpack Search and Recovery got involved with the search efforts. And the police maintained the investigation, but they didn't announce their findings for anything. Until almost three years later, when they found a bone believed to belong to none other 
than Holly Grimm. Damn, three years later. Yeah, and that was three years without any updates or suspects, like I said. So it's just three years of silence, and then suddenly they found a bone, or they find a bone that belongs to her. But before we get into that, let's discuss what the police had been up to. So in the summer of 2014, over six months since Holly had vanished, police again brought in Michael Horvath, Holly's co-worker, for questioning. Michael informed them that he no longer worked for Alan Organ, and that he had left shortly after Holly went missing, which he again said was purely coincidental. Yeah, right. The crazy thing is that he had been employed there for over 20 years, and known and worked with Holly for at least six. Now, this time, police requested a DNA sample in the form of a mouth swap, because they're just trying to find a match for that mysterious blood spatter that was found on the exterior of Holly's home, which was a great piece of evidence to have from a potential suspect who we're assuming that blood is, is from, since it's not Holly's. Yeah. So what a great thing to have to be able to match somebody's DNA to. Like, that's a, a good piece of evidence. Yeah, they were like, finally, let's maybe do something in this case and test this blood. Well, guess what? It was a match. So that blood on the exterior of Holly's home was none other than Michael Horvath's. So Michael claimed that he had been to Holly's home on just two occasions, and both times were to help her move a washer and dryer. And why her, I don't know, boyfriend or her family member didn't help her with this instead, we don't know, but he is claiming that he did that. And one source claims that he actually sold her the washer and dryer and that the two times that he visited were to drop off the respective machines. That's fine, right? But Michael said that he remembered entering through the back door of the trailer both times just to help move the units. And get this, of course, he has an explanation. He says that he may have injured himself while doing this, and that would explain the blood left behind, right? I mean, I guess, yeah, uh, you could say no. that for sure. But, <laughs> no way. Uh, but, but yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't make you look any better. It's just, this is the funny thing is that he has an explanation for everything and every everything seems to be this massive coincidence and it just doesn't seem realistic. At some point, the coincidences are just going to run out. Exactly. And on a zip drive recovered for evidence among his things, Michael had taken and saved pictures of the interior and exterior of Holly's home. Why the hell? That's a really weird thing to do. I can't say that I've ever helped anybody move and then just started taking pictures inside their house. But the frustrating thing here is that the DNA that he left on her home somehow was not enough to, or was not enough to arrest and convict Michael Horvath because there was still no sign of Holly and no evidence that she had actually been killed. So police kept quiet about their discovery while her loved ones waited patiently for news. And then in April of 2016, Two years and five months after she had vanished without a trace, police questioned Michael a third time. This time, he admitted something that he had not admitted before. At the time of Holly's disappearance, he had been cheating on his wife, Kathy. Michael had called the woman that he had been out with, a woman named Nicole, on the morning of Holly's disappearance and admitted that he had been seeing her behind Kathy's back. 
Police, of course, also interviewed Nicole, and she explained that the two had met on an adult dating website called adultfriendfinder.com. And according to their website, they are, quote, the best dating site to find adult singles and swingers for discreet hookups and casual sex. So whether or not Nicole knew that Michael was married is unclear. Also, as not to confuse you guys, her bone it has not been found yet. We just gave you like a little sneak peek into the future after three years. So we're not quite there yet. So everything we're about to say and the fact that police don't have enough evidence, it's because her remains have not been found at this point in the story. But that's coming up. Nicole's account gave credence to the growing suspicions against Michael Horvath. She told police that she had actually cut things off with him because he had made comments that she found disturbing. According to Nicole's interview with police, the two were talking between July and November of 2013, the same month that Holly disappeared. She confirmed that they had spoken on the phone the morning that Holly vanished, and Nicole said that Michael was pursuing a romantic relationship with her, but that she never let it get that far. Their first and only date was in December of 2013, when they met for lunch. They continued to speak online and on the phone. Then, one morning when Nicole was at her job at a grocery store in, in the uh, Philadelphia area, Michael happened to show up. This Nicole, guy's always in the right place at the right time, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, right, yeah. So Nicole wound up telling Michael that she could no longer see him and that she had plans that day to go shopping with her boyfriend. She recalls Michael telling her that he wanted to follow them around, watching them from a distance while they shopped. So fucking weird. What the fuck? So at this point, she broke things off. You know, understandably. All of this was enough for investigators to want to search Michael's property for evidence. And after five months of red tape and legalities, police were finally granted a search warrant for the home of Michael and Kathy Horvath in September of 2016. As you can probably guess, what they found was shocking. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment, no maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volix XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. 
Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medications that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, just visit Juvederm.com. Looking to save on delivery? DashPass is your door to $0 delivery fees and more on DoorDash. And right now, using code GOINGWEST24, you can get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Daphne and I use DoorDash constantly to order lunch or dinner or even groceries. And that's why we love using our DashPass, because it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered right to your door. I mean, come on. DashPass pays for itself in two orders on average, making delivery even more worth it. And that's why we use it so often. And it also gives you special access to exclusive promotions and member-only menu items, all for just $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash. Use code GOINGWEST24 to get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With over 2,300 hotels across the U.S. and Canada, Best Western is perfect for our annual spring hiking trip. It feels a little like... Back to the hotel. What a great day. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western. Michael and Kathy lived in Sailorsburg, Pennsylvania, which is a census-designated place in the greater area of Ross Township, about 40 minutes northeast of where Holly lived with her son, like we mentioned earlier. Recovered from inside Michael's home were a bevy of recordings on both VHS, or VHS tapes and DVDs. Of none other than pornography. But this included disturbing depictions of physical violence, especially against women, and realistic graphic bondage and rape fantasies. 
Now, many of these recordings show the women being drugged with chloroform before being sexually assaulted. And investigators also found chloroform on Michael's property. There were also videos staging what police called, quote, hunting for humans. Michael was reportedly obsessed with the TV show Dexter, which if you're unfamiliar, I mean, you should watch it. It's a great show. It's like a crime drama about a serial killer who works as a forensic analyst by day and then commits like vigilante justice murders by night. And just because he loves this show doesn't mean there's nothing weird about that. We're just saying it. He pretty much idolized Dexter. And Michael seemed to romanticize serial killers and have the delusion of casting himself as the tortured underdog. There were dozens of sexually explicit magazines and sex toys, and Michael also owned shackles, handcuffs, tasers, stun guns, and hunting guns. Nothing wrong with any of these things as long as it's consensual, people. I mean, absolutely, but it is also weird that he has all of these things together, like sex toys and stun guns. Well, I think particularly with what's coming up, this, you know, and knowing the kind of person that Michael is, it's not a good sign at all. So Kathy herself, who is Michael's wife, recovered a planner with detailed notes indicating that Michael had been stalking Holly prior to her disappearance. It's not like he even really needed to... I mean, he worked with her for six years. Yeah, it's like all day, five times a week, not enough. So the notes went back over a year before Holly went missing. And one Pennsylvania state trooper claimed that Michael, quote, lived the life of a hoarder and that his home was in disarray and therefore very difficult to search. Probably very stinky in there. Probably was. So Michael soundproofed one trailer on his property for unknown reasons, which is very scary to think about. And he had installed a winch, which is like a device used for hauling or lifting heavy items using a crank attached to a wire rope with a hook on the end of it. He claimed that this was for gutting deer that he had killed while hunting. In Kathy's interview with police, she noted something strange from back on November 22nd 2013. That morning, Michael had left early for work as usual, with Kathy leaving a while later. And remember, this is the morning that Holly went missing. But when Kathy returned home around 4.30 p.m., she found evidence that her husband had been home that day. So not that he just left for work, but that he had been home because his muddy shoes had been left in the bedroom and their light was left on. And this, of course, was odd to Kathy because Michael had left before her and normally wasn't home until after she returned. So she like, he went to work, supposedly, then she left, and then she comes home before him and there's a light on and his muddy shoes. So she's like, what? What? Obviously this was him. Yeah, something's not adding up. Yeah, obviously he came home. And Kathy said that she was shocked at what she and police found in her home and that she actually had no idea that her husband had been fantasizing about stalking, hurting, and sexually assaulting women. So all the, like, stun guns and the sex toys and the handcuffs, like, she didn't know, uh, supposedly didn't know about any of that. And if she did, she apparently didn't see them as red flags. Right. And his phone records indicated that the call that he made to Nicole, his, you know, side, uh, I don't want to say side piece. I don't want to be disrespectful to her. His mistress. Yes, we'll call her that. So... His phone records indicated that when he made that call to Nicole, 
He was near Allen, Oregon, again, where he worked. And then later that morning, when he called his employer to tell them that he would be late, he was back in the vicinity of his home. So they were able to obviously track that. Yeah, and that's what they did. So on October 13th, 2016, after combing Michael's property for over two weeks, police came across bone fragments that they believe belonged to Holly Grimm, buried in a four-foot-by-four-foot makeshift grave under 18 inches of dirt, large rocks, in the frame of a children's-sized bed. God, that's creepy. Investigators also found teeth, rib bones, vertebrae, and skull fragments. In a nearby fire pit, they found another bone fragment. Testing confirmed that all of these belonged to Holly Grimm. Could you imagine being his wife and not knowing about these kind of fantasies and fetishes that he has, if you will, and then also not knowing that there is a woman buried on your property? Like, to find all of this out at the same time? Horrible. Horrifying. So, Michael Horvath was arrested from his property that day, and thus began a six-year legal battle to prosecute him for the crime. Because only fragments of Holly's bones were recovered, the coroner ruled her death as simply homicidal violence. However, because of the damage done to the bone fragments that they were able to find, medical examiners ascertained that Holly had been shot through her breastbone, and also likely shot in the head. Pennsylvania State Police Lieutenant Joseph Sokolovsky said, quote, We couldn't make the determination. However, while they weren't confident that they knew exactly how it happened, they were confident that the remains belonged to Holly and that Michael had been the one to murder her. Joseph also shared, quote, There wasn't one aha moment. We investigated everyone, and one by one they were out. They had an alibi and it kept coming back to Mr. Horvath. Michael Horvath was held without bail in a Monroe County, Pennsylvania prison. Jeanette was relieved to finally have answers in the disappearance of her daughter, but she never understood why she couldn't get an explanation from the man who killed her daughter, saying sadly, quote, It's always hard to lose a child, but this, if you could make sense of it, I guess it would help. And remember, she had lost a child previously as well. So very sad that Jeanette had to go through the loss of a son, a daughter, and her husband in such a short span of time. But Jeanette always wanted to stay positive, just like her daughter Holly had been. She added, quote, Somewhere along the line, there's got to be some good. And I hope that people take their families and hug them and love them and spend more time with them. Time is precious, and everybody knows your children grow up, but don't let that stop you. Just a phone call. Tell them you love them. Unfortunately, it would be a long road for Holly's friends and family to get the closure that they desired, and some questions, like his motive, would remain unanswered. Michael was charged with kidnapping, murder, abusing a corpse, tampering with evidence and obstruction of justice. Piece of shit. He agreed to forego the presence of a jury at his trial in exchange for taking the death penalty off the table, which was a decision that he left, or that left many community members very angry. Another major delay came when in 2020, Michael fired his defense team and demanded new lawyers. 
Then, as we all know, the pandemic hit, delaying the case another two years. And finally, this year, 2022, after almost six years in prison, the trial began against Michael Horvath in the abduction and murder of Holly Grimm. Michael continued to maintain his innocence, though the evidence was impossible to deny. His defense attorney offered the flimsy explanation that, because no one actually saw Holly being kidnapped or killed by his client, anyone could have hidden her remains on Michael's large Sailorsburg property. What, what about the blood? That what is... about the phone records? What about the fact that you were late for work? What about the fact that it's his fucking property? I mean, good try, buddy. Insanity. So Michael's legal team even tried to paint Kathy as the real perpetrator, the jealous wife who discovered her husband was dating behind her back and obsessed with his coworker, and that she killed Holly for revenge. His attorney claimed Kathy, quote, had the power in the relationship. Kathy claimed that this was a fabrication, that she had no idea what her husband had been up to, and that she was shocked and horrified to find out. Again, why then why wouldn't Kathy's blood be on the exterior of, of Holly's home? Right. But one post on Holly's memorial Facebook actually corroborated the conjecture that she may have been involved. The poster said, quote, I really think Kathy knew. I worked under her for years, and she was not a nice person. Oh my god, that's pretty oh funny. Man. I always thought that she wasn't right and wondered what she was capable of. She was out to get everyone, even her family. Who knows? But you weren't hiding guns for no reason. I understand the thought that she could be involved, but there's no way she did this on her own. And there's no, I, I just don't see it. I feel like it was Michael. Maybe Kathy's just not a nice person and she's... Or maybe she's just complicit. Like she, I don't know. Maybe she knew about all these things about her husband, but... I don't think she did it though. Yeah, definitely. But ultimately, the theories did not hold up. On Thursday, June 8th, 2022, the judge found Michael guilty on all counts except obstruction of justice, claiming that when he had been questioned by police, he was cooperative, so she dropped that particular charge. Now, the prosecution called him a monster, stating, quote, The defendant was fascinated with evil and had a fascination with serial killers and a lot of serial killer memorabilia. Michael was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole and an additional 10 to 20 years for the premeditated kidnapping. But the end of this senseless, unexplainable crime wasn't much comfort to the loved ones that Holly left behind, including her son, Zach, who was 16 when the ordeal started and 24 when it ended. He shared, quote, I'm happy that we got some justice. I'm not sure if I can move on, but we are all going to try. A friend of Holly's proclaimed, quote, We're just so happy that they found him guilty so he can rot in jail the rest of his life. That's what he deserves. Zach filed a wrongful death suit against Michael, seeking damages of at least $50,000. His lawyer stated, quote, By killing Holly, the defendant not only deprived her of her life and future, but also deprived her only child, Zachary Michael Grimm, of the comfort and society of his mother, as well as other personal and financial benefits that have been denied to him. The Grimm family exhibited nothing but grace to the court, 
law enforcement, and their community for the help that they received in catching and prosecuting Holly's killer. Her obituary reads, quote, Holly's family would like to extend their gratitude to all the detectives, police officers, investigators, and community members who have been supporting them and tirelessly searching for Holly over the past three years. Sadly, in 2017, the Grimm family lost their matriarch, and Holly posthumously lost her greatest champion. Jeanette Grimm passed away on March 7, 2017 from natural causes at the age of 70. She was relentless in the pursuit of justice for her daughter, and while she didn't get to see the judge put him behind bars for life, she was at least able to see him arrested. Jeanette became the face of resilience and strength in her community. The president of Allen, Oregon, Stephen Markowitz, said of her passing, quote, She always was there to help other employees when they had their challenges in life, and that's why I refer to her as a mother to a lot of these employees. She was very, very close to Holly and got her the job here. In my office, I have some flowers and plants, and she would lecture me on how to take care of them on a daily basis. After she retired, she would always come to my office, and she would criticize how I took care of those flowers, and that would always bring a smile to my face. Jeanette lived a full life, and the world would be a better place if we were all a little more like Jeanette. I think that anybody that knew her knew that she was a terrific person and set a good example for the human race. Taking after his grandmother and mom, Zach handled the situation with the utmost strength, telling a reporter after the trial, quote, I don't want to go so far as to say it's a relief, but it is definitely some weight off the shoulder. I wish we could get some real closure and figure out why this actually happened. Maybe find out where she is where the rest of her is. While still in the very early stages of his sentence, Michael Horvath continues to maintain his innocence and is expected to appeal his conviction. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this episode of Going West. Yes, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. And on Tuesday, we'll have an all-new case for you guys to dive into. And then it's Thanksgiving. Yeah, gonna get fat and sassy. I just just made our Thanksgiving menu, and it's looking tasty. Oh, my God, I can't wait. Just, like, leftovers for days. I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving with friends and family. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening to the show. We are thankful for you. We are thankful for you guys, yes. Thank you for putting up with us this episode. I have a migraine, so I probably said some just, like, weird shit. So thank you for... I think she almost had a stroke halfway through (laughs) the episode. Yeah. I saw her eye twitching. (laughs) I'm unwell. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love you. Hope you have a great weekend, day, whatever it is. And we'll see you on Tuesday. All right, guys. So for everybody out there in the world... Don't be a stranger.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.